Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. I think the sunshine is better in Oregon than any other place because in the winter we have so much rain, it's so beautiful when you get the change of pace. I don't know about you, but uh, that uh, countless days of rain was kind of getting under my skin. So I'm glad that it's sunshiny and the weather looks like we're going to have a good day next tomorrow, so I'm pretty excited about that. So welcome everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good, all right. Well... Emma, would you be willing to help me out once again? All right, we got a shout out to Mrs. Kirkpatrick this morning. You have a lovely smile, Mrs. Kirkpatrick. Uh, you are you are a very encouraging person. Amen to that one. There you go. How about this one? Gabriel Steiner. Hi, Gabe. How you doing, man? Someone's, someone's shout out to you, man. Uh, Gabriel Steiner, you, you knocked it out of the park this morning with your presentation lesson on the foundation of God. That's great. By the way, they're, uh, they're doing lessons in the young men's class, and he did a fantastic job. First lesson he ever did. Man, I'm telling you what, it's pretty awesome. We got a preacher in the making. Oh, here's another preacher in the making, Elijah. Here we go. Uh, you also had a well-prepared lesson presentation this morning. Way to go. Let's give it up for these two young guys. Woohoo! It's great. Ben? Ben, hi, Ben. Right there, Ben. Okay. Woohoo! Uh, ben, always listening for a way to lend a hand or a kind deed. How many can say amen to that one? Amen. I've seen that. Woo! Give it up for Ben. Tamara Dunbrow, your kindness is heartwarming. And your sacrificial service for Christ, and this is from me, your sacrificial service from Christ is like uh, Tabitha in the Bible, and I so appreciate you very much. There you go. Let's give it up for Tamara. How many are tired of 2020? Yes. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, we're almost done with 2020, and so... Uh, I'm excited about our New Year's Eve party coming up this Thursday evening. We're going to start at 7 o'clock. Bring your favorite finger food and your favorite beverage and bring uh, your favorite board game uh, and uh, come on out. We'll have a good time. I don't know if we're going to rock it all the way till uh, the <clears throat> midnight hour, but uh, really? You're not going to make it to the party. You're not going to make it to midnight. To midnight. <laughs> well, you know, last year, I think I almost faded a couple times, but I think I made it to midnight. So anyway, this Thursday, the Pleasant Hill uh, uh, New Year's Eve party is going on. So you can make it out. We'd love to have you. It's a good time. Uh, people get kind of wild, kind of get a little crazy. And uh, it's just a great time of fellowship to welcome in the new year. Yes, Mrs. Parks. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Also, too, uh, Sunday evening assemblies are back here at the building, and uh, and you can also watch us online. We are working through First Timothy. 
Uh, Monday evening college age group, regular time, regular place. Wednesday evening is hosted by the Parks this month. And so 7 o'clock Wednesday evening at the Parks House, if you'd like to be there. We're also online uh, on our Facebook uh, for the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ. And is there anything else I need to share with you this morning? Has anybody else got some other announcements? No other announcements. Yes, Lloyd. Well, praise the Lord. All right. Thank you for sharing that. And let's praise God for that. That's so awesome. So I want to open up in a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we are so deeply thankful for your love and your kind provision for us. And we pray, dear Heavenly Father, as we finish out this year, we'd not forget the things that we've learned about how important being present is. You sent your Son into the world. God become flesh incarnate. You were present with us and you showed us how to live by faith and not by sight. And we're so deeply thankful for the many lessons that have been brought this year, both by myself and so many others who have spoken of the power of your presence in us, the great and awesome message that we are seated with you in the heavenly places. And also, dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that your presence in our lives can actually touch the hearts and minds and souls of others. And Father, it's through the example of your love and the love that you showed to us through your son, Jesus Christ, the Lord, now we can be the, the arms, the hands, the hearts of Christ as his body to manifest his love. Help us to be present in people's lives and help us to be present with a heart of love like your son, Jesus Christ. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, good. Excellent. Thank you for catching that for me. I don't have a program up here, so who are we singing to? It's not my fault. It's his fault. You are glad I lost my bulletin, aren't you? Okay. Well, there you go. Holton, how old are you? Fourteen. He's old. You want to stand up for me? Yeah, he's taller than I am. <laughs> All right, 14, man, you're looking good. So here we go. Let's see. Anybody else got a birthday coming up this week? All right, here we go. It's, it's their fault, not mine. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Wow, Got a fro he, my bulletin is here, hiding under my Bible, there you go. Hey, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 this morning, 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, and uh, we're finishing the year and finishing this passage on uh, the great love of, of our Christ manifest in and through his church, and so beginning there in, in verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. 
It is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. Love never fails. Love, the love of Christ, never fails. If the love of Christ is manifest to someone and they are not responsive, you know that love takes two people. And so Jesus Christ came into the world to manifest the love of God. And that love is offered to all mankind. But we know that not all will receive it. But the power is in the love to open the doors for a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Many of you know and probably have memorized 1 John and chapter 3 and verse 16. We know love by this, that God sent his, whoop, I quoted the wrong one. We know love by this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for one another. See, the manifestation of the love of God is in laying down of self to serve other people. Love is actually then sacrifice for others. I love the, the one little part here where it says, love does not seek its own. Love is always other focused. And this morning we're going to be looking at the four things that love is to all. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. And I want you to think about Jesus and his life on earth as a human being. He lived a holy and blameless life. He lived a life of love because he lived selflessly, sacrificing every moment for your soul and my soul and the souls that he came in contact with when he was here. I want you to think about Jesus when we do each one of these four. And then I'm going to bring uh, an example of Jesus as at the end of discussing what does it mean? Love bears all things. And we'll see that Jesus is that perfect example. And then I'll close with this. Hebrews talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we know the scripture teaches this. The standard for Christ is faith working through love. Faith working through love. And that's what we see in Jesus throughout the scriptures. And that's what we're called to do. Have the faith of Christ and live a life of love. So let's begin with number one, point number one there in your, in your lesson plans. If you have them, it says Christ's love bears all things, bears all things. Now, on, on the surface, it seems like, well, Christ is willing to bear up all of the sins of the world in order for you to become a Christian. And that's what the love of Christ is. But actually, when you look at the Greek word for bears or beareth in the King James, it means something different. And there's many scriptures that teach this truth. And I'll tell you what, this is a powerful example of love. Let's begin then. Looking at what does Strong say about love believeth or excuse me, bears all things. It literally in the Strong's, it says it means to roof over or to put a roof over. Now, why do you put roofs over RVs? Why do you park your car in the garage? 
Why do people do that? It's to cover them and protect them from the elements. And so this word bears literally means to roof over. Again, in the Strong's, to cover with silence. That's kind of an odd statement, to cover with silence. What does that mean? Well, in looking at theirs, it means to protect or keep by covering, to cover with silence, to keep secret, to hide or conceal. What does that mean? To, to cover in silence, to protect, to conceal. One last part of theirs is this, by covering to keep off something that threatens to bear up against, to hold out against something that's coming against you. Well, the last there is vines. It's a Greek dictionary. It says primarily to protect or preserve by covering. Hence means to keep off something which threatens to harm. That still doesn't give us a clear picture of what that's talking about. But God wrote in the book of Proverbs in chapter 10 and verse 12, a very important statement about covering. Would you turn there with me? Proverbs chapter 10. In fact, several of the scriptures that I have there in other verses reveal this truth about love. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12, and you have that in your, in your lesson plan. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Love covers all transgressions. Now, someone might say, wait a minute, does that mean we're just supposed to ignore, to cover up and ignore? That kind of sounds like a conspiracy, like what they do in Washington, D.C. They cover their stuff up, their wrongdoings. You know what this is really talking about? It's talking about when someone is struggling with a sin, you not going, when you find out about it, you're not going and blabbing it to everybody but rather you protect that person and you help that person out of that sin. We see Jesus many times actually doing that, covering someone, protecting someone until they could come to a point where they could get out of that sin. Now, sadly, there are some examples where people, their sin was absolutely exposed to the whole world. And yet Jesus provided covering. He, he bore up, covered up that person. You could probably think of some examples right now. Jesus in the morning was teaching in the, the temple. And those who wanted to accuse Jesus and to destroy him, they went and they found a couple in the very act of adultery and they grabbed that woman and it says she was grabbed in the very act of adultery and they drug her right into the temple and right before Jesus. And there was a multitude of people there. What a horrifying thing for that woman. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus took off his cloak and covered her. But that would be the loving thing to do. But you know, Jesus loved even those evil men who wanted to destroy him. Because as you well know from the example in John chapter 8, he gave them a moment to continue to basically rail on him 
and accuse her of the need to be stoned to death because that's what the law of Moses said. When Jesus did rise up, what did he say? He covered them so that they could change their minds. He who has no sin can cast the first stone. Now you might say that's not covering them. It sure is. The God who penned the Ten Commandments said if you break one, you've broken them all. And those men were worthy of death. You look at the scriptures. You go to the book of Romans in chapter 2. If you condemn someone for their sin and you have sin, not necessarily the same in your life, and you work to condemn someone else, you actually condemn yourself. Jesus covered those guys. Now, before I was a Christian, I was a resident assistant up at Oregon State University. And I was not a Christian, and before I was a Christian, I wasn't a very nice guy. But as a resident assistant, I had a responsibility to take care of the young people, and it was a freshman floor. And you know what happens when when young people leave home and they're on their own, and, and it was all freshman men and all freshman women, freshman women, freshman men on each floor. Well, one evening when I was working as an RA, I came around the corner and pushed the crash door open down a hallway on one of the men's floor, and there was a young woman, absolutely naked, walking down the the corridor. And she was stumbling around. You could tell that she was not in her right faculties. And I took off my, I had a a t-shirt and a flannel shirt, and I wrapped it around her. And I brought her down to the, the, the resident assistant. She was a wonderful lady. I automatically responded that way. How embarrassing. You see, Jesus covers. The question is, is will we cover when someone's struggling in a sin? Or will we tell everybody about it? Unfortunately, we find too often times people enjoy talking about others, somebody else's mistakes and frailties. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus in love covers. He gives you an opportunity. You see, we need to do the same thing. I'd like you to read one more passage of scripture with me. I'd like you to read 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. 1 Peter in chapter 4 and verse 8. Verse 7 and 8, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Love bears all things. If I'm struggling with some something and you see that in, <clears throat> you see that in me. And by the way, if you have a preacher in your life that thinks he knows all things, be careful of that guy. I'm still working on becoming more like my Christ as I know you are. And so if there is something you see in me that needs change, please don't tell other people. Please come to talk to me privately. And I will do the same for you because that's one amazing facet 
of the love of Jesus Christ. My prayer is, is that <clears throat> we would adopt that. <clears throat> Excuse me. We would adopt that character, that love bears all things. Love covers all things. Let me share with you <clears throat> that that's the first of four. There's more. Look at the next one. Going back to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. <clears throat> Love bears all things. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Love <clears throat> believes all things. Well, that's interesting. The passage of Scripture, Love believes all things. It's the Greek word pistuo. It really is talking about believing uh, in someone like we would believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord. And meaning we would hum, bow the knee and humble ourselves and serve him in obedience. But I want to share with you that it can be more than that. Take a look. Strong says to have faith in or respect for a person to commit or put trust in someone else. We should put all of our trust in Jesus Christ, especially in times of uncertainty. But Thayer says to think to be true to put confidence in, or to entrust or commit oneself to. And binds, to believe, also to be persuaded of, hence to place confidence in, to put our trust in. So I ask the question, have you ever had someone believe in you before you believed in yourself? Have you ever someone shared, you know what, I see in you, I see in you this great and amazing man or woman of God, or I see in you a great speaker, or I see in you a great servant. It's important for us to recognize that all of us are growing and becoming. Now, <clears throat> the two young men that are in my class, there were notes of encouragement and I believe that came from Mr. Steiner I don't know if that's true or not but uh, I think that's where it came from I, the countenance of your face tells me so but I have to share with you that both of those young men in their first lesson had an introductory statement they pulled very important points from the scripture passage that they gave and then they called us to action by way of conclusion. You know, it's amazing. Most people can do anything when they are encouraged and inspired and when you believe in them. Now, you can grind on people all you want. How many have ever noticed you grind on people and they will produce the minimum just to get by? But if you believe in them and you inspire them and you encourage them, they can do amazing things. That's really what love is. Love is believing that people can throw off the shackles of sin, but more importantly, that they can put on the life of Jesus Christ. And so a part of this believing is actually encouraging men and women to be what God has created them to be. Now, if you've read your Bible, you know that each one of you 
has been uniquely designed by God from birth. Some of you have very powerful strengths naturally given. My son Andrew, as many of you well know, is a deeply compassionate man. I really stand in awe of him. A lot of people have made fun of him because he's not rough and tumble. But I'll tell you what, if you've been in this assembly very long and you've heard him, whenever there's a need, who's the first one to suggest that we step up in compassion and meet that need? Who's the first one? How many times have we heard Andrew say, what do you think about? That's powerful. And we need to inspire young people when we see gifts in them. And when we see something in them they don't see in us. Did Jesus ever do that? Can you think of a time when Jesus did that? Do you remember there were two boys, James and John? They were kind of rough and tumble. They just wanted to call down fire and burn people up. And remember what Jesus said? I believe John got the message. Jesus said, that's not the spirit we are of. We are not of a spirit that burns people up. We're of a spirit that loves and builds people up. Now, who of the apostles is called the apostle of love? Who? John. You see, Jesus invested himself in inspiring John to be that apostle. Of all the scriptures on love, you take a look at the Gospel of John and you take a look at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and what do you see? It's all about love. He got it. Jesus believed in him. How about Peter? Let's throw Peter's name out there. Did Jesus inspire Peter? Remember that impetuous guy that always seemed to get himself into trouble? It's like you jump off the cliff and then you go, okay, so why are we doing this? Very impetuous, Peter was, but a powerful man he was. And remember what Jesus did? He gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. All that training, all that teaching brought him to the point where he allowed Peter to open up the gospel to the Jews first on the day of Pentecost and to the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius. You see, we need to be believing in people that they can do what God has gifted them and called them to do. If we'll do that, the church will rise up and be great. But what about the next one in Hebrew or in 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 and verse uh, uh, 7? Love hopes all things. What is this hope? It's not a hope so, like hoping you get the present that you've been bugging mom or dad about all year long. It's different than that. To expect with great confidence. To anticipate usually with great pleasure. Thayer says to trust. To hope to wait for salvation with joy full of confidence. And finally, vines. Hope is frequently translated trust. Hope is often said to be directed to and be centered in a person, to trust in a person. 
Love trusts the confident with confident expectation that the Lord will fulfill his promises. Can I ask you a question? Who did Jesus die for? Who did Jesus die for? Can you put your name in that? Jesus died for me. But you know what? There's people in your world that you go, wow, how could Jesus love them? They're hopelessly lost. Did you catch that? They're hopelessly lost. Wrong. No one is hopelessly lost. Jesus died and bore the sins of every single human being. He's the propitiation for our sins. He paid for all of them. And in 1 John, in chapter 2, it says he died for the whole world, every single person. No one is a lost cause. When you start Bible studying with someone, and I pray that you are trying to open doors of opportunity to share the Christ with people, but do you ever go, well, that person, I don't think they're worth the time because I just don't think they're going to make it out. That's a pretty sick way to think about people. But I have to be honest with you. That's a natural tendency. It's a natural tendency in the human heart to go, well, this guy would make a great Christian and this guy, not so much. Where's the hope in that? Where's the confident expectation that God's word is powerful enough to touch the heart of even the most brazen of sinners? Was Saul of Tarsus a lost cause. The foremost of all sinners, a lost cause. He was the worst of the worst. There's no way that anybody could get through that thick head because Saul of Tarsus had made his personal life mission to exterminate the church. Are we going to love like Jesus? What did Jesus do? He met him on the road to Damascus and said, I got giving you a choice here, Saul. You can continue your rampage or you could come follow me. You see, we need to be like Jesus. And we should go and work with people no matter where they're at with a hope in God's word and how powerful it is in touching human hearts. But to go with an expectation, a human expectation, well, they're not going to receive it. You're actually not living a life of love at all. I'm constantly reminded by a dear brother of mine that the word will accomplish its intended purpose. So you go ahead and you preach it, you go ahead and teach it, and whatever heart it needs to touch, it will touch. Is my hope in me or is in my hope in God and God's word? So my prayer, brethren, is, is that we would recognize the love of Jesus is he provides a hope of salvation for every single soul. And so what we need to do with his, as his body is to go into every relationship with a hope, a confident expectation that as we live the life of Jesus Christ, that people will be drawn to Christ out of this world. Now what about the last one? Love endures all things. 
That word endures is rather interesting. That word endure to undergo and bear up under trials and persecutions, to have fortitude and perseverance, to abide and endure patiently while suffering. Now, what do most people do when they suffer? What do you think? They try to get out from that suffering. Isn't that a natural human thing to do? To get out from the suffering? We should ask ourselves, when we're wiggling and squiggling and, and being frustrated and angry that we're going through all the suffering that we're going through, especially if we're suffering for doing what's right, what example does that show? That it shows the example of a carnal human heart. It doesn't show the love of Jesus Christ. Well, Thayer says to burst, to persevere under trials while holding fast one's faith, to endure bravely and calmly when ill-treated. Let me read that one again. To endure bravely and calmly when ill-treated, to patiently abide and bear up courageously under sufferings. Can you get a picture of Jesus courageously but calmly bearing up under horrible persecution? Can you get a picture of Jesus doing that? My picture always goes back to Jesus when he's walking up that hill and they have beaten him so severely and he's trying to carry his cross and he falls down a couple times and somebody else bears the cross and then he drags himself up the hill and allows himself to be nailed to that cross. Now we all know that Jesus could very well have come down off that cross, but he did not. He submitted himself to the Father's will in that horrible sacrifice. What had Jesus done wrong? Jesus had done nothing wrong. He was the only sinless man. He had done nothing wrong. But what did he do? He endured that horrible suffering for you. And when he was being tempted by the devil to come off that cross, Jesus asked God the Father, forgive those men who had crucified him, to forgive those who had called for his crucifixion. He even forgave one of the sinners who was railing against him earlier in that crucifixion. He endured? Do you know that the centurion, when Jesus gave up the spirit, said, surely he was the son of God. That was a death penalty, by the way. And he said it out loud because it was journaled in the scriptures. There's only one God for a Roman soldier, and who's that? Caesar. And that man had the courage to say, surely he was the son of God. His life example of love in the most horrible of times in his life proved his great love for us and proved a great example for us. So my question is, is are we going to love like that in our lives? Are we going to cover someone's struggles? 
and prayerfully, thoughtfully spend time with them and help them overcome? Or are we going to let everybody else know that they're struggling in a particular sin? Which is love and which is hate? That's an important question. I hope you choose love. What about believing in people? Believing in their ability to use the amazing talents and gifts that God has given them and inspiring them to do so. Will you love people like that? That's how Jesus did. And so we go from a man who was a son of thunder, wanting to burn people up, to the great apostle of love. It's amazing what happens when you believe in someone, even when they may not even believe in themselves. And what about hope? Do you have hope for every single human soul? And do you approach them in your time together that God died for them and that their salvation is secure? They just haven't heard about it yet. And so your hope is in God and in his word to touch their hearts. And so you go forth with the joyful expectation that this one has the opportunity to hear the word and become a Christian. Because I'll tell you, your countenance, your facial expressions, the way you communicate, if you don't believe, if you believe they're hopeless, they'll be able to tell right away. So we need to go with a mindset of Christ that there's hope for everyone. Now remember, they have, a, they have the responsibility to choose, but we should bring the message with a joyful expectation because hope looks good and it shows love. Finally, will you be, will, be willing to endure when the times are really tough? Will you be willing to be joyful during the times that are terrible, suffering even unjustly? I want to look at a passage of scripture from this one. I want to take a look at Romans and chapter 12. Will you turn there, please? Romans chapter 12. And take a look beginning there in verse 9. Here's a beautiful description of a faithful man or woman of God. And notice what it says. Romans chapter 12 beginning in verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. Abhor or hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. What a great picture, rejoicing the joy of hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. You see, we need to persevere in tribulation. We're closing this year out in regards to us being present in others' lives because God is present in our life. And here it says we're supposed to, in love, persevere, during times of tribulation. I'm glad 2020 is about over. I'm telling you what, it's been an interesting ride. We don't know what the future holds, but we should mindly, mindfully prepare for that future. If we'll invest ourselves in loving like Jesus, we'll be able to have impact in people's lives. But we ourselves need to learn how to persevere. And so next year's uh, theme is going to be the fourth law of momentum, the power of perseverance. The power of perseverance. 
we need to understand how important that is. And we're going to look at a, a multitude of scriptures that talk about men and women who persevered and the great power and influence they had in their lives and in the lives of others because they persevered. And so I pray that you would consider these four things this morning, that you will bear all things, you'll believe all things, you'll hope all things, and you'll endure all things for the souls of other people because you love just like Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Holy Father, I'm so thankful for the morning hour. I'm so thankful for the brethren who've come and assembled with us today. I pray, Lord God in heaven, that we would go back and do our own study and think about Jesus, how he covered people's sins until they could grow out of them and put on the holiness and righteousness that he called them to. And that how he believed in people, even when they weren't living in a certain way, he saw in them their potential and he believed in them. And they grew into that amazing picture that Jesus Christ called them to because he believed that they could. And I pray, Father, that we would have the joy of the hope of salvation that every man and every woman has opportunity to receive. But we must know that no one is hopeless if they're still alive and that we have the opportunity to share with them that great joy and confidence of the hope that we have in Christ. And finally, I pray that we would learn to be enduring in all things, that we might manifest the great character of sacrifice for others, even in those difficult times. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now I have a... Now you can stand up. I have a request. Go ahead, stand up. I have a request of you before we get all excited. All right. Now we're going to have that big party here on Thursday night. So I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind just the middle section now, just the middle section. We need to pick up all the books. And if we can have some strong young men who's like 14 and, and 17, 16, 18. How old are you? Oh, 15. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> we could have some strong young guys who are 15 and 16 or just strong young guys to put groups of four together. That would be great. It doesn't have to be just you guys. I mean, you can recruit people, but that'd be great. So if you could pick up the songbooks and stack those chairs in groups of four, that would be great. So what did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, King of Kings. All right, thank you very much. Let's get her done. Woo! Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.